Welcome to Tripod, Improved Photography's Nature Photography Podcast. This show is for the weekend photo warriors, the sunset capturers, and the bubble level watchers. This is Tripod. Hey guys, welcome back to Tripod. This week we're talking about photographing waves. And to help me talk about that, I have Majid Batazadigan. Thanks for coming on. What's going on, Nick Page? Not too much, Majid Batazadigan. That doesn't roll <laughs> off the tongue quite as smoothly as Nick Page. I have a few syllables on you. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah, we've been photographing not as much as normal years, it feels like, but we've been photographing big surf on the Oregon coast lately, and we thought that we should talk about, you know, just all the little things that are kind of involved in um, photographing those big wave photos that you see. So, man, where do we even start? with wave photography where should we start i think what's um spurred this idea was really one of the shoots that you and i went on early in the year um when we were shooting the big waves at cape disappointment and it was anything but disappointing wouldn't you say (laughs) normally it lives up to its name but this time it didn't (laughs) it was one of those rare times that it didn't and there's actually a funny story that comes out of that so (laughs) Uh, we were there photographing. It was me, Majid, my son Zane, and Cody Chaw. And we were all uh, there shooting. And me, Cody, and Majid all captured the exact same moment of the exact same wave. And I had posted my version of it first. And about a week later, Majid starts posting his. And, and I mean, they are so identical. Majid and I, we have to look at the position of the birds to know whose is whose because they're so identical. And when Majid started sharing it on social media and around the Internet, everybody and their dog was blame, it was accusing him of stealing my photo. <laughs> and it was this big running joke. It was hilarious. And Cody was actually uh, too scared to post his version of it because he has the exact same moment as well um but he (laughs) he saw what happened to majid sharing his version he was like i don't want to deal with that (laughs) i think i got accused of um stealing nick page's photo probably 20 times at least i was getting emails like every day saying i don't know if you know this guy but he's trying to he's stealing your work he removed your your watermark (laughs) yeah again um taking forever to post photos doesn't always uh, work in your favor. No, this is a great incentive to be the first to post because um, where they people see it first, they know that that's the real one. And then everything yeah. after that is just stealing. <laughs> but what are, I mean, what are the odds? Like we, we captured the exact same wave and probably within the exact same millisecond. I mean, it was absolutely the identical moment and like similar shutter speeds and just it's just so crazy so i guess it shows that we were both like kind of on on top of it and we were photographing like every single good wave that came through and Um, what's funny about that shot too is really like what you're looking at with that wave that was crashing with all the birds going around it like it was literally like a couple milliseconds and i think the only thing that differentiated our shop besides the actual millisecond in time was where we were standing. Yeah. So you were standing 10 feet to my left, I think, or 15 feet to my left and and capturing that same moment, but from slightly different angles. Super weird. It's so weird. Okay. Let's just 
take a step back and let's say like <laughs> for for example like what we were looking for to even go there to shoot so one of the things that we're constantly doing especially during like winter storm season on the on the coast is we're always looking at you know big surf advisories like anytime you get a high surf warning that's like a great time to go photograph waves because you're to going to most people that means stay <laughs> yeah. away from the ocean right but photographers. for photographers it's like yo sweet let's go get oh. really close to the ocean Candyland. Um, yeah and that particular day th- there was like logs getting washed up where we- people normally park their cars there's these giant you know 50 foot long trees just washing up onto shore and like going where um people normally park but now, in fairness that didn't happen when we were actually there no. i don't want to get a bear grills reputation going <laughs> no, on. No. when we got there overnight night some logs had been right. washed into the parking area and they actually closed this parking area and brought in a tractor to push the logs back towards the the ocean so it was pretty crazy to see like the destructive mm-hmm. force and how high the swell is coinciding with these enormous waves some of the information that we're like always kind of scouring and looking for to know that it's time to go photograph is we're looking for uh big swells you know we're looking for those big surf big swell advisories where you know you're getting numbers like 15 to 20 feet tall anytime you get a 20 foot tall wave that's going to make for some really great action when it meets the coast. Absolutely. Um, surf height is something um, a lot of surfers are looking at is a lot of the same things photographers are looking at. So we're looking at how big the wave is, the period. So how far the waves are separated, the wind, the direction of the wind, mm-hmm. the weather. Is it even shootable? Like, are we if it's 50 mile per hour winds with sideways rain hail and lightning (laughs) is that even realistic to shoot in in some cases it is some cases it isn't when you're photographing these large waves a lot of times you're trying to freeze the action which which means that you're using a faster shutter speed and it kind of requires more light in order to freeze that wave so if you're getting like super stormy overcast skies and that, you know, that rain that is making you miserable, it's hard to freeze a wave when it's that dark out. You need some ambient light in order to freeze the wave. Um, All right. That's it. I'm upping the ante. A hundred <laughs> mile per hour winds, sideways, snow icicles. OK, maybe I wouldn't air, go like millions that. of daggers. <laughs> There, there are things, there are conditions which are just like, so I, I've shot waves in storms before and it's crazy because you're real smart, right? You've got this cover, your camera and lens are covered by this storm jacket and you are golden. There's no way a drop of water is going to touch your expensive electronics, except that wind and rain and water are coming from every single direction (laughs) and water is getting inside of that storm jacket. And what I've actually had happen before is that storm jacket that's there to protect your camera actually starts to create a moisture greenhouse and it forces water for, so the heat that the camera body is emitting and the cold from the outside harsh conditions, essentially the heat gets trapped and the water starts the moisture starts to get forced into the camera. So I've almost lost the camera that way. Um, so there are some conditions where it's just yeah. like, man, you're, you're really putting your equipment at risk no matter what you right. do. And really like the most ideal conditions are when you have some cloud cover 
but it's not super windy and it's not like, you know, just pouring down rain. And that, that morning at Cape Disappointment, we got exactly that. We had pretty decent weather and we got pretty decent light and we got pretty decent waves. And those things combined make for portfolio mornings where you end up getting some of those really great shots. Um, one of the reasons that Cape Disappointment is one of my favorite places to go is because for one, when you do get those waves coming in, you have a background interest in that nice lighthouse that you got there and you have um, some big rock faces that you can get kind of a dark background and you're down kind of low. A lot of places that are safe to visit during a big storm like that, the, the very thing that makes them safe is that you're standing on top of a big tall cliff where the water can't kill you. Um, <laughs> Cape Disappointment is one of those rare places where you can be down fairly close to the water level height and not die during now, <laughs> during big surf now being that the tide was receding when we got to this specific location we weren't in immediate danger however it was still possible where we were standing that water could have come over and taken some logs with it and when the ocean picks up logs those yes 2000 3000 pound logs maybe even more than that become toothpicks and man crushers yeah so so we weren't completely out of harm's way but definitely that is one good example what is even harder about shooting waves in general and not just specifically that place is what nick just described getting to the side of the wave without being inside and killed by the wave yeah there's really very few places where you can be down at water level and be able to witness and photograph uh, an interesting place where waves are doing interesting things. Like you can go down on a beach, but that's not a good place to photograph waves because there's nothing for those waves to crash against. They're just kind of rolling over way out there coming in and it's not, it's not doing anything interesting. What you're looking for is some kind of, um, barrier for those waves to come and crash against. And sometimes it's the splash that's interesting. Sometimes it's the action of the wave coming in and hitting that rock cliff or barrier and then going back out and then crashing back into the next wave that's coming in. And that's what creates some of those really big splashes out in the water, or some big fan waves. It, that's what you're looking for is some kind of interesting rock cliff where waves come in and crash against and then they roll back out and they crash back into the next wave. Every single wave is unique as well. Like they all kind of look the same, but in reality they have their own fingerprint. So the really special waves that again, what Nick just described where you have a wave that's coming back, uh, that's coming back, they collide into each other. You get really interesting fan motion um, yeah. essentially where the wave breaks apart just like a fan but it's shooting up 20 feet high if you have a fast shutter speed and the right lens and you're in the right spot you can capture that exact moment where <clears throat> these waves are at the peak of their interestingness i think part of the reason you want to be on the side of the waves is because the most interesting views are usually when you're right next to the wave like you feel like you're on top of it or inside of it whereas if it just looks like a big wave coming at you, it's hard to gauge how big that is. There's not a lot of scale and it's just not super interesting. 
Yeah. Some of my favorite, favorite types of wave photography that I've never successfully done are when you get, you know, guys with underwater housings and they're going out into these giant barrel waves. Yes. Yeah. They get inside the barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Inside the barrel and you get some really nice light streaming through and it is so amazingly difficult to get those shots because for one, you have to go out, out in these giant waves and then just absolutely pummel you right after, you know, you get that money shot where it's like curling on top of you and then all of that water comes slamming down on you and just pummels you against the bottom of the seafloor those things are so hard i've tried doing it and that's that's like a whole other level of of adventure photography because you have to put yourself actually in the water to get those yeah and you want to be a very strong swimmer (laughs) you want to start small you know it's no joke like people go swim without worrying about an expensive camera and still like struggle to (laughs) to breathe like when you get caught in um, the currents of a big wave Um, especially you don't know what's on the ocean floor beneath you you know i've been to many spots in hawaii where it goes from nice soft sand to hard rock so if you're getting slammed onto some reef that's below the sand then you're going to get nice and bloodied up as well so just knowing Um, to the area that you're in really i have never done this type of photography the person that i've always looked the most um and i'd love to get on the show sometimes so if any of our listeners know him um tell tell him that we mentioned him uh but clark little he's one of the guys that really i don't want to say invented this but he really like had an amazing portfolio of barrel wave shots before anybody else really he kind of started that that whole interest and fascination with it. When you're photographing from the coastline, you know, you you have your feet on dry land. One of the things that you always have to pay attention to is the direction that the surf is traveling, typically the same direction as the wind is blowing. You know, there are some locations that um, kind of require waves coming from the south and then there's some that require coming from the north. So that's another thing you need to pay attention to because they don't always all look good, you know, so you have to have waves going in the right direction as well. So one of the things that I've learned after years and years and years of chasing waves and trying to shoot waves um, from coastline is wind plays just as big of a role as anything. Yeah. If the wind is too strong, the form of the wave is going to be pushed down. If it's going the wrong direction, it's going to chop up the wave. Mm-hmm. Another thing I'm looking at as well is tide levels. So if the tide is coming in there's more energy with the ocean with those incoming waves but if the tide is going out then those waves are kind of fighting the retreating tide so there's kind of a sweet spot um there's another place that's really amazing spot to shoot storm waves and it's a place called coos bay in oregon troikers state park um has really got on the map these enormous waves crash on this rock you don't really see how awesome the spectacle is unless it's a storm type swell yeah where you're looking at 18 to 20 feet or more mm-hmm. i mean i've seen myself in um at that location i've seen waves splash up 200 feet 250 feet in the air it's crazy just just the way that the shoreline is shaped when the waves are just right and coming from just the right direction and then when they have enough energy behind them they just it's just crazy the amount of splash that you can get there 
So I guess we should talk about, you know, the camera side of things. Shutter speed matters a whole lot when you're when you're photographing waves like this. And there's kind of, in my opinion, there's like two ways to do it. You're either going to be trying to freeze the action and really freeze the shape of the wave or the splash or whatever it is that you're photographing, or you're going to be um, insinuating motion and kind of introducing just a just a hint of motion blur into the shot, which will give it a kind of a sense of motion and direction and energy. So like if I'm trying to freeze the action of a wave, a lot of times I'm I'm striving for like one one thousandth of a second or so. If I can get that, I know that I'm going to get, you know, just a tack sharp wave with every little droplet really uh, frozen in place. A lot of times those settings are difficult to achieve because if you're photographing in, you know, in overcast conditions or late in the evening conditions where you don't have direct light, it's really tough to get to those shutter speeds. So you end up increasing your ISO, opening up your aperture a little bit. But if I'm trying to freeze the action, I'm always trying to get to that one one thousandth of a second or so. Yeah, definitely. And this is something that depending on lighting conditions, you're just going to need to experiment with mm-hmm. um, shooting waves is action packed. Every wave has a lot of potential. 99 out of 100 are going to let you down. Yeah. But if you're on, <laughs> if you're on, um, on top of it and if you're focused, then when that special wave happens, you'll be there clicking the shutter to capture that moment. And on the note of shooting waves and sports photography, pretty much I will shoot waves with high high speed burst mode and then i like to use back button focus and autofocus continuous so um, that i can really follow a wave as it's traveling through a scene and then when it's starting to do its thing i'm timing my burst especially for when that happens there's kind of a couple different ways of doing it like if if you're shooting just the wave like you're zooming way in on just the wave action that's exactly what i do as well like i'll zoom way in on it i'll be shooting handheld and I'll, i'll i'll do that but if i'm doing a shot where it's part of a larger composition you know like i have a big shoreline and the wave is just part of it a lot of times I won't be uh, zooming way in on the action like that. And it'll be just more of a part of the shot. Um, I'll still, you know, rapid fire them and, and use burst mode, but I will be kind of locked down focus wise. I won't be shooting AI servo and stuff. I'll just have my, my focus already uh, predetermined, but that's because a lot of times I'll be in a wider angle shot. I really think that a lot of the most compelling wave photos, the ones that are truly unique and almost abstract because of just the uniqueness of a wave are when you really zoom in really tight and you just fill the frame with the wave. And those are some of my favorite photos that I've ever taken. And I know Majid, you've got excellent, excellent wave shots in your portfolio and it's just so unique and so different and so hard to recreate as well. Um, when you just fill the frame with a wave and it's got a particular shape, it's got a particular color, it's got, you know, its own light happening and it's just, it's such a cool way of coming away with a really abstract, hard to recreate landscape or nature shot. Couldn't agree more. Fill the frame as much as possible as a general rule. You can't go wrong, really. The closer, the better, in my opinion. Yeah. And on the note of all these variables we're talking about, 
Um, as you can see, shooting of waves can be a complicated process. The decision tree to whether you're even going to go out in the first place, all the way down to the technique. So it is a very specialized type of photographing, but it's really fun and action-packed, especially if you put yourself in a position to succeed. One of the things that's really important to bear in mind is light still matters. So if you're going to go out and shoot waves, you know, could that same shot you just made be better if the wave was backlit? Yeah. If the wave had nice front light, if you had a nice sky, if it's a little bit of a wider shot, you know, those those type of things still play into it. So if it's a location you can return to and get the light right. Um, getting a really special wave shot is a culmination of many, just like any other landscape, it's a culmination of many things coming together. Yeah, and it's really hard to get all the different conditions that have to line up to line up for you. Because not only do you need the right surf, but you also need the right tide and you need the right weather so you can actually photograph it and you need the right light and you need and you need to have that day off. You know, if you're working, it, it a day reminds job. me of a uh, dude, where's my car? <laughs> and then <laughs> and then and, and then, then? <laughs> no. no and then, no and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it, it's just because there's so many different things that have to line up and then it all has to line up on a day that you can actually be there and sometimes that's the hardest part because big surf doesn't always happen on friday through sunday and absolutely yep and so i know majid has played hooky from work before to go photograph waves <laughs> because when the when things do line up and and you can see that it's going to be a good day for photography you like you kind of just have to carve out the time for it because that is when you're going to get the best photos and that's really what what can separate the weekend warrior photographers from the photographers that take it really serious is because the photographers that take it really serious, they will make the effort to be there when the conditions are just right. Um, and I know that we've kind of talked about like, you know, we keep our eye on surf. Well, maybe we should throw out some of our favorite ways of tracking surf. Um, sure. I've got a couple, a I've got a couple different apps that I use. I use Surfline, which we are constantly making fun of because sometimes <laughs> the, the numbers that it throws out is like, yeah, there's not going to be 40 foot waves. I'm sorry, Nick. Um, so my, my surf model that I use will show a 12 foot wave and we'll go and look at Nick's surf model and it'll say 36 to 45 foot <laughs> right. overhead swell. It's like, we're like exactly. I guess everybody is dead. Yeah, it's like the most overly optimistic um, <laughs> surf data ever. It's it's either optimistic or apocalyptic. I'm the, not sure. The Oregon, the Oregon coast just became Jaws. <laughs> exactly. But the other one that is a far more conservative is uh, Magic Seaweed. That's the other one that I look at for surf height and stuff. The desktop site that I always like to go to is surf-forecast.com. And I'll look at two things. I'll look at the 48 hour detail and the seven day. And there's enough uh, breaks and regions that you can really break it down really close to where you're going to be shooting. Um, it also keeps the tide chart um, right there. And it's a resource for surfers, but it gives you basically an idea of how good the swell is going to be, the direction of the swell, how big it's going to be. And, and I find it to be um, pretty realistic and mm -hmm. it's also just on the note of weather 
Um, lately, uh, we've talked about weather apps before, but lately I've been liking um, Weather Underground. Um, seems to be pretty accurate. And I've been I've always used Weatherbug. And one of the things that I like to do is I, I have all of those um, closest towns or cities to my favorite shooting locations on the coast. I have those saved as my locations in Weatherbug. That way, if there is any kind of surf advisory that I always get an alert and a warning saying tomorrow there's going to be big surf here. And then then it reminds me, oh, I should go check my surf apps and and check the surf and swell height and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of a very involved thing. But man, there is nothing more fun and more entertaining um, to shoot on the coast than when you get those big really beautiful waves that are either crashing and splashing and creating all kinds of big energetic photos, or you're just getting really good waves receding off of rocks. That's something that we didn't really talk about too much is like you can either freeze the moment and really freeze that wave, or you can introduce that motion. And when I'm introducing motion, typically I'm looking for like a fifth or a 10th of a second down to a half or one second enough to where it's showing some uh showing some motion but not so much that we're i'm losing detail and and losing all those fine details that are created in the waves so yeah that pretty much wraps it up go check out those apps i think that they will definitely help anybody that's going to be photographing even if it's not big surf it just helps to know your tide your weather you know, the swell height, because some places are more photogenic at certain swell and tide heights than others. So it's good and important to know that just for safety, because especially if you're photographing in these larger surf and swell periods, it's a very important time to be safe. Can't um, emphasize that enough. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, We just living in Oregon, living in Washington, where Nick and I live, we hear about people dying on the coast all the time. Hopefully photographers are more aware of the risks and dangers. A lot of times we are putting ourselves in harm's way. Don't be foolish. It's probably not worth if it, if it doesn't seem like it's worth it, it's probably, if it seems like it's too risky, it probably is. (laughs) This is coming from somebody who takes a lot of risks. Um, Last note is uh, we've talked about a lot of different waves and this is a very specific type of photography. Nick has a lot of great shots in his portfolio, and we've talked a lot about specific types of shots. So we'll try to include some of our favorite wave shots in the show yeah. notes. It's um, especially that one where Nick copied me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially the one that Majid stole off of my Facebook and removed my watermark. <laughs> we'll add that one. And the, yeah, we'll make sure to put both versions in there just so you can see just how similar they are. Side by side. Yeah. And I'm kind of shocked that we were so similar in our post-processing as well, because typically our post-processing is pretty different, but not in that photo. Like we were pretty consistent with each other in that particular photo. Um, but just make sure that if you're going out to do this, be safe. Cause I don't want somebody dying because Nick page said to go take pictures of big waves. If you're going to do it, know where it's safe to be and where know where it's not safe to be most important part of photographing any oceanscape for sure. Remember that you can follow us over on Instagram. Just do a search for Nick page photography or Majid Batazadigan or Jim Harmer. And we'll see you next time. Thank you guys so much. Bye-bye.